0: weeks ago called lifeboat for life and uh, we're talking about a lifeboat Um, how many of you have been hearing that how many of you have been here like past couple weeks or something you've heard a little bit about a lifeboat all right. Well, well, for those of you who haven't, let me catch you up to speed. Um, we're talking about a lifeboat because in Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter greets the crowd. Acts chapter 2 is really the beginning um, of what we call church. It's the beginning of the church. And the very first sermon ever preached was preached by uh, the Apostle Peter or or, or, or St. Peter. And uh, he he stood up and he addressed the crowd and, and his his altar call is that right there. Um, uh, according to the, the message paraphrase, he said, he, says, he said, get out while you can. This is the end of his sermon. He preaches a great sermon, and then he, and then he cuts to the chase. He says, get out while you can. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. Um, the, the, the very next verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, says that when people heard that, that about 3,000 of them um, decided to get out. About 3,000 of them, um, those who believed, Uh, What Peter said were baptized and they were added to the church. And I love the way that the Holy Spirit describes that first. Um, altar call, the first conversions, the first people um, to adopt the faith of Jesus Christ does not say that they made a personal decision for Jesus, even though they did. Uh, It doesn't say that they received Jesus into their heart, even though they did. Those are more modern uh, colloquialisms that find their place in Scripture. But the very first time, what, what the Holy Spirit decides to, how he decides to word this, is that they were added to the church. And so, um, as we've been talking about the past few weeks, it's not uh, merely uh, that the church wants you to get out of of the sick and stupid culture. It's not merely that the church wants you to leave um, a particular culture, but it's it's that we want you to join a life-giving culture. We don't just want you to, to jump off the Titanic, you know. Uh, the Titanic is sinking, and this culture of our world is sinking. Our political structures, um, our, our, our governmental structures, our educational structures, this entire world, the Bible says, this entire world is passing away. And so wouldn't it make sense, then, to jump off of the Titanic, to get off of this, this big, beautiful, luxurious thing that's actually um, sinking. And uh, that's why we've been talking about the lifeboat because uh, I think what was it, 1912 when the Titanic sunk, um, they had actually, they only had about half the amount of lifeboats that they actually needed um, um, to save everybody. Um, they only had 20 lifeboats. They had something like 2,100 people on board and only 20 lifeboats. And uh, what, what they found is that the first 10 lifeboats that were, that were launched from the Titanic were only about 50% full. That means only about 30 people. They're supposed to hold 60 people and only 30 about 30 people were in each lifeboat. And one of the reasons why they had so few people in the lifeboats is because they found it very difficult to convince people to get off of the Titanic. Because they couldn't really, the passengers couldn't really tell that the Titanic was sinking initially. They knew it slowed down. They knew that it stopped. They couldn't really uh, see the, the, the gash uh, in the front. And there in the front end made by the, the glacier. They, 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 they weren't really aware of the danger that they were in. And so it was the crew's job to try to convince them, no, 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 the boat that everybody said was unsinkable is actually, after all, sinkable. You need to get off of the Titanic and get into this lifeboat. And we're sharing that story because it's so similar to what, what I do as a pastor and as a preacher. Um, I stand before you every single week, and I, I meet with people in coffee shops, and I, and, I, and I hang out with people in restaurants, and it's a really hard life being a pastor. And uh, I, I, I connect with people all the time, and, and I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy, you know, not, not trying to be a downer, but the truth is, like, like, you need to make a move. You need to make a move from this, from this city and stupid culture from this death culture to a life-giving culture. And so here at City Chapel life-giving culture is not just showing up at church on Sunday. I mean that, that's part of it. We love that you're here and we hope that you're blessed by your time here and encouraged. But, but beyond Sunday morning, uh, City Chapel meets um, throughout this area in different living rooms and in coffee shops and in restaurants in order to be the lifeboat in order to be the church and that's where uh, you you really make connections. That's where you, you make relationships that will help you through um, every hard and difficult time in your life. We want to be an encouragement to you, you want to be a source of strength in your life and the only way we can do that is if you will enter into the lifeboat with us and jump into relationships with us and we call these small groups. So we have small groups, if you if you have a worship guide with you today, um, inside your worship guide there's a little piece of paper that says sermon notes. Um, that's where you can write all of the brilliant things I'm about to say, um, you know, anything that strikes your fancy. But on the back side of that, on the back side of the sermon notes is a list of all, the, of all the, the, the small groups that are starting up next week. Do you guys... See that? You see that? So I think there's like 16. There's a couple that aren't on the list that are going to be on the list, but next Sunday, those small groups are launching. They're starting. We're going to have tables um, out the back there when you exit service where you can meet the leaders of the groups and sign up for whatever group you would like. To join, and we really do want you to join a group, and we want you to join a group that you would enjoy, not just something that you feel obligated to, but something that is a shared interest. And so, um, anyway, so we've been highlighting uh, a few of those groups throughout the past couple of weeks. The first week, uh, we talked about um, how, how a small group is a place of faith. It's a place of, of faith, where sometimes you don't have enough faith for yourself, so you need other people that can have faith for you. And because of that, because it's a place of faith, it's also a place of healing. And so we had Emilio, um, uh, Dr, Dr. Emilio up here with me preaching, and uh, he is our young adult pastor. And uh, we've got young adults out there that are loud and proud and starting already sleep-deprived because college already started. So... Congratulations! Your weekend. Um, you guys are having a pool party next week, right? Next next Sunday. Uh oh. Okay, so young adult pool party. Anyway, um, that's that. That's another great uh, uh, small group for you to be a part of. Um, the next week we talked about freedom. Last week we talked about freedom. How a small group is a place of freedom, where where when you're in the right boat. You can have the courage to step out and do stuff that maybe you didn't ever have the courage to do before because you have people there who are supporting you, who are cheering you on. And even if you sink a little bit, uh, even if you're a bit of a sinker like Peter, uh, (laughs) they'll still welcome you back into the boat and keep their eyes on Jesus and not on the fact that you are a sinker and so if you'd like to listen to that uh the podcast of that is on our website um feel free to check it out today i want to talk to you about another another aspect of being in the boat and that is uh f- uh forgiveness that the boat is a place of forgiveness or at least it should be and so i want to talk to you to 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 those of you who um maybe over the past couple of weeks you've made you made a decision for Jesus. You made a decision to be added to the church. You've made a decision uh, to follow Jesus. In fact, we've had about 30 people in the last three weeks make that decision in this room. And so, yeah. And in prison. We had two people in prison yesterday make the decision to get in the lifeboat. So... Uh, I'm excited about that. Also, kids' ministry. Kids are making decisions to f- get in the lifeboat. And so, and so several of us kind of are sort of in the lifeboat. And so I want to talk to you about probably the greatest danger that could, that could possibly come to you in the lifeboat and probably the greatest way that the enemy um, gets us out of the lifeboat. And <laughs> it is offense. It is offense. It is unforgiveness. It is unforgiveness. And so I'm going to talk to you about that today. Um, is it a little warm in here? Again, it was warm. Like, is there like a button or something over here? Did somebody say something about a button? Okay, I'm just gonna like hold the little person button, and hope that that could just be a dummy switch that they told me about. But at least I feel smarter. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's let's go ahead and go to Luke uh, chapter chapter 17. We're gonna look at verse five to start off. Uh, Luke 17. In verse 5, it's an interesting scripture that, uh, that you have the disciples, or in this case it says the apostles, in John, uh, uh, it's actually Luke seventeen five. I think it says John on the slide, but that's my bad, um, <laughs> Luke 17, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. This is an interesting statement, because by the time uh, in the gospel, in the story of Jesus and his, his 12 disciples, by the time they say this, they have already seen Jesus walk on water, like we talked about last week. They've already seen Jesus uh, enable Peter to walk on water, like we talked about last week. They've already seen Jesus raise people from the dead, right? Like, 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 can you imagine, go to a funeral, and Jesus walks in, goes walks up to the casket, you know, and takes the person by the hand, and just kind of, they start crawling out of the casket, and then he goes out to lunch with them you know like these are the kinds of things that these disciples would have seen i mean talk about faith like 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 i think if i would have seen the kind of stuff the disciples saw right 5000 men and then women and children roughly 15000 people all along this countryside and jesus says let's feed them we got a few loaves a few fishes we'll break it up and uh, we'll just feed everybody and he does it and he, then he's got leftovers right so i mean jesus has done some amazing things up until this point you would think that the disciples would have faith that was so big that was so amazing that somebody walks up and says I have cancer well hey no problem Jesus can heal that somebody says look my son just died no problem let us get to the funeral he'll be back in time for lunch right like like the kinds of things the disciples have seen should have stirred up their faith so much and I believe that it did but yet there's something in in this passage that causes them to exclaim, to cry out and to say, Lord, give us more faith. Why in the world would they need more faith? They're already in the lifeboat. They're already close to Jesus. They've already seen him do amazing things. They don't really need more faith. No, they do. They do. And it's from the preceding verses there in verse 3 and 4. Jesus says, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, in other words, does something wrong to you, you should rebuke him, you should, you should talk to him about it. And if he repents, then forgive him. The, the Bible's really super hard to understand, it's so tricky. But in the original language, forgive him means forgive him. It's really deep. So I, th- I thought I'd let you know that because you're not scholars, so you can't figure that out on your own. So I'm just telling you, I'm just, just FYI, forgive him. It has a deep spiritual meaning which means to forgive him. And in verse 4, Jesus says, just in case you didn't get this, if he sins against you seven times in one day, and seven times he returns to you saying, I repent, you shall, there's that term again, forgive him. Now this is the phrase that in the very next verse causes the disciples to cry out, Lord, give us more faith. Right? Like we know that you can walk on water, we know Pete can do it for a little bit as well. We know fishes and loaves can feed a multitude. We've seen dead dead people can come back to life, okay? We understand that, but but uh, can I forgive people? And this is this is this is one of the greatest things. It's, this takes more faith than believing that jesus can raise people from the dead this takes more faith than believing that jesus can do any of those things in your life and those things are important but this is the one area that so often the enemy gets you out of the lifeboat i realize that i'm speaking to people several of you um didn't just wander in off the street several of you have been a part of churches you've been a part of lifeboats And when you think about joining another lifeboat and another small group and another church, you, you (laughs) when you think about that, this is one of the things that you think about. You're afraid of encountering this right here because this is one of the hardest things to do. So difficult. Even the disciples who had seen so much said, Oh, we're going to need a little more faith for that Jesus. You're going to have to help us out. You need to lay your hands on us and do something because we don't, we can't like seven times in a day. What? The same thing. The same, like the dude that keeps doing the same thing. No, 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 no. Like fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on, or however that goes. And you know, there's shame, multiple shames going around for a lot of fooling. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm seven times forgiven, uh, I don't think I can do that in my own power. And then Jesus explains, really, in verse one of this passage of, of uh, Luke 17, verse one, it says, I want you to know that it is impossible that no offenses should come. That's a way of saying um, offenses are coming. There are going to be opportunities for offense. You are going to, if you're living in this life, you're going to have the opportunity. To become offended and and, and and offense is one of those things it 's one of those things that you can talk about quite freely because because nobody here experiences it you know like there there are weird people out there, definitely uh, they go to other churches they you know they <laughs> they don't go to church at all they're the unchurched like there are people that struggle with this but nobody here struggles with it so i can talk about it freely because it doesn't it doesn't really uh, it doesn't affect i'm not even talking to you i'm just talking about random people somewhere so this is this is this is for you to record so we'll have the podcast and then you share it with all your friends because they need to hear this message so that's, that's the strategy. I'm sharing it with you so you can go to the rest of the world and tell those people who actually need this to, <laughs> that offenses are going to come. They, they, of course, they never come to you or me, but they are going to come to some people. They're going to come to all of us. And the truth is, offense is one of the things that's so tricky because nobody thinks they're offended. Even when they're offended, they're not offended. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're hurt. But they're not offended. <laughs> they're disappointed. So disappointed. I, I once asked somebody, So, did you learn anything from that situation? Yeah, I learned not to trust that person. <laughs> I said, That's not really a lesson. That's, that's, a, that's a bad lesson. That's, that's called being offended. <laughs> <laughs> like so, is it so? I'm so I'm gonna probably step on some toes today, but I'm telling you, one of the things keeping you out of the lifeboat is this right here, this offense. Because honestly, like there are a lot of offenses that come at us almost daily. We have the opportunity to be offended, and if you join a lifeboat, especially if you do more than just listen to me, because I'm so nice and and kind and gentle that nobody ever gets offended at me. But if you do more, like if you join the small group, you get connected. To some people who aren't quite as perfect as I am, it's going to be, there's going to be some opportunities for offense. And so I'm, I'm on the one hand, I'm giving you a little prep course for joining a lifeboat, but I also want to talk to you about one of the greatest reasons why you got out of the last lifeboat. What pushed you out? What, 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 what pushed you out was offense. Speaking of, uh, did, did, did you bring the, the bricks? You got all those bricks? Could you just, could you maybe bring that out? And I, I have a couple of props my, my lovely wife is going to pull out here. Also the boat. We have actually have a, like a little lifeboat that I'd like to share with you. Um, but offense, that, that word offense, thanks Pete. That word offense there uh, in Luke, it, 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 it comes from the original word, uh, I think it's scandalon. It sounds a lot like scandalous. The word offense, it's basically uh, the same word that was used um, to describe uh, bait in a trap. So you set, a, you set a trap, and then you put some bait inside the trap so that the animal will wander into the trap and get caught, right? Um, or, or as some of you Texas folks call it, hunting. Um, Sorry, <laughs> throw that out there. <laughs> In Michigan, we don't call that hunting. We call that trapping. Um, so, you know, like you set some bait, and the deer come and eat it, and then, bam, you shoot them. And uh, that's kind of how it works around here. Well, that bait... The bait is offense. It's impossible that bait shouldn't come. Bait is going to come up to your life. The enemy is going to dangle some bait in front of you. And he's going to want you to take it. He's going to want you to receive it. He's going to want you actually to, to take it onto the boat, to take it into your life. And so, and so, and so whenever you have it in your life, then, 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 then that offense begins doing something to you. It's a trap, very much like a trap for an animal. There's a, a consequence. There's, there's definitely a draw. There's a reason why it's, why it's alluring, why it's tempting. When you come into that trap, that's when, you, that's when you lose your freedom. And so I wanted to have a little lifeboat here um, just as an illustration of what we've been talking about. And, I, and, I, and, babe, you can come on up. I wanted my wife to come up with me, and she's, she's in the lifeboat with me. So it's kind of a small lifeboat, but we're sort of little. small people. Um, it's and just uh, Yeah, just kind of come on into the... Mm. Yeah, yeah. I meant to tell you, don't wear a skirt because that would be awkward. Um, Wow, this is this is kind of small, isn't it? Mm, Yeah. Okay. You want you want? I guess I should be up front because I'm the guy. Okay. I know where I'm going. Okay hey, sense of direction right here, sense of direction right here. Yeah, yeah, and she can be back there to tell me where to go. Um, Okay, so, so, so basically in a lifeboat you have, man, this is so small. Okay, so we got the bricks back there. Okay, all right, so, so, so we're in a lifeboat, and and there's a lot of differences from a lifeboat, uh, from a Titanic to a lifeboat. Uh, One of the differences is that in a Titanic you have these, these big engines that are are pushing the boat, right? Or in a lifeboat, all you got are these little guys here. So, so babe. So if you can kind of, yeah, yeah. How about how about yeah? I mean, since your name is Roe, <laughs> row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. It's going back to junior high, huh? That's what they used to tease you with in junior. high. Okay, okay. So yeah. So so okay. So you're rowing and I'm you know directing and and and. I should probably help row. That's really not fair. How about I get one? We'll do a real marriage here. And, uh, okay, so so you're you're rowing that side. I'm rowing this side. So it's a little bit more difficult, you know, um, to be on a lifeboat, which is why people stay on a Titanic because it's much easier to sit on a Titanic and allow the engines to run. But here you're going to have to work a little bit, which, by the way, if you join a small group, you're going to have to work a little bit. Um, every single semester we have several serving opportunities and what we do is we talk to the small group leaders and we say, tell your small group to show up and help us serve the community. So just FYI, if you don't like doing stuff for other people, don't join a lifeboat because you're going to hate it. And so, um, no, 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 we, because every lifeboat needs, needs to give back. We need to serve. It's a part of who we are. That's part of who we are as City Chapel. We're not just here just to, just to, just to uh, feed you and feed you and feed you. You need to give out so that you don't become a swamp. So, anyway, uh, you, need to, you need to release a little bit. So, we were serving, we're, we're, we're going along here. And then the enemy comes to us, though, and he, and he offers us offense. He offers us offense and, that, and that, that would be these bricks here. We got several of these, these bricks. Um, stole these from the toddlers today, sorry toddlers. Um, and so we're gonna, so he, he offers you an offense and it starts off just as a little thing, right? It starts off as something small uh, that, you, that you begin to build between you. And so uh, we got that orange one, we got a blue one. One time, uh, right after Roe and I got married, we spent, uh, we spent three months in the car together and uh, which was really good right after you get married. We lived in the car, we literally lived in our scion, like the, the, the seats laid down. It was a little bit bigger than this lifeboat. And uh, we, had a, we had an air mattress, right? And then we would put windows, like, blankets on the windows. We just park in a, because we didn't have hardly any money and we were driving around interviewing with these different churches. And so to see where we would get hired on next. And uh, we had we just got married, and uh, we stopped at a Burger King, which she never eats at Burger King, uh, but she did when you're on the road trip. That's that's just that's just what you do. And you're poor, you know. It's like a 99 cent meal, baby. That's what we're getting right there. Two of those. I mean, we were li- we we ate off of the change that I had collected the previous years. I had this bucket of change anyway. Um, and so like uh, you know we so we so we ordered some burgers, and so I'm in the drive-through. So I hand her the bag, and I say and I say here you go here you go babe just go take that bag bag and. And could, could you get that ready? And so I'm, I'm navigating, you know, getting back out onto the freeway. I get on the freeway, and, 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 and she has opened up my burger and laid it out really nice. Oh, thank you. And I look, and she doesn't have anything. And I'm like, didn't you get anything? And, <laughs> and, she, and she, she says, yeah, 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 I got a burger. I said, well, where is it? And she said, well, I, 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 I already ate it. And this is what like, I'm sure those of you that know Ro, you know she is fast at everything. She's fast at talking, she's fast at walking. She doesn't do anything slow, nothing, nothing. I on the other hand, don't really do anything fast. So that's kind of how that works. We balance each other out. Well, anyway, she had completely eaten, eaten like, I mean, gone, rapper gone. (laughs) No, you didn't eat the rapper. He was just already like taken care of. And so I just thought that was impressive. You know, I was like, Man, you should, like, you should, like, enter contests for this kinds of things. I mean, you could win. We, we could be eating better if you won some money for us. Because that's serious. Like, did you taste that? Or did you just swallow it? Did you inhale your food? So I just, I was mocking you a little bit. It was just, oh, look, the wall's getting taller. Um, <laughs> Keep talking, buddy.
1: Keep talking.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, I was just, like, making small talk. Well, she got real quiet. And because I have the gift of discernment. I said, is something wrong? And she said, no. And so I said, oh, okay. I was, I was new, I was very new, I was very, very new. See, like there's the, he said, wow. It doesn't take long, folks, for these little bricks to kind of start stacking on top of each other. Um, Like I was, there's that. I don't know if I share this in church, but there's that song by the great hymnologist John Mayer. um, Your body is a wonderland. You know, uh, all the the sinners in the room know that 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 song. (laughs) If you don't know it, don't Google it. Just, it's it's a song about Jesus, Um, and. uh, And, and, I mean, I think it's a good song for, like, a spouse and for a married couple. That's cool. But um, I think you should add a line to it, right? Your body, your body is a wonderland with some landmines on it. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes those guys, we're just talking. We don't know we're walking around. We're just stepping on landmines. Not, not literal landmines, just emotional landmines. They, you don't know they're there. There's not a sign that says, hey, there's a landmine here. Don't talk about how fast I eat. Um, nothing you just hear the click under your boot and you're like oh man oh I'm gonna need the ambulance to get me out of this one and so later that night I said babe like something seems I know you said nothing's wrong but something seems wrong and that's when I that's when we had a long talk here I'll just tap that off for you That's when we had a long talk about the fact that when she was a kid like, like, like she was very sensitive about people talking about how fast that she would especially eat and uh, so she felt kind of teased about that and so there was this, there was this landmine in her life. I didn't know it was there. I was just, you know, just being me being sarcastic me, you know, Um, (laughs) I've learned not to be as much me. Uh, But but I didn't even know. I didn't even. I had no idea. And that—that's that, going to happen. You're going to. You're going to say something. You—you might not even be married to them. You might just say something. And you don't even know there's a there's a landmine there from their childhood. you don't even know there's a landmine there from from something they're going through at work. you don't even know there's landmines here in this in this in this room there there's I look out on you all there's several landmines in this room right and and, and you don't even know that they're there and when you get into tight quarters like this in a lifeboat, someone's going to say something or not say something. I thought they would comment me on my clothes today. I oh, have I got my hair cut. They didn't even notice. You know, like, <laughs> I've been in church for a while. Okay, so that's, that's just how it goes. Like they sat in my seat. Uh, you know, it's like, all that kind of stuff. Like, I've been there, done that. I know how it works. But, but I'm telling you, like, uh, there, there, are, there are two kinds of offenses. One, where something truly is done against you that's wrong. And, and, and that's legitimately wrong. But then there's another kind, which happens more often, is that something is done against you that you perceive to be wrong somebody forgot to send you something or text you or call or something and, and then you perceive it to be way bigger or worse than i actually was but this is what the enemy does he hands you a brick and he says yeah why don't you just why don't you just put that in your boat bricks are heavy bricks stick around why don't you just why, i mean uh, it's not that i'm offended at her i mean i'm still in the boat with her i'm just not really talking much <laughs> And this is what walls do. Walls divide people so that you don't see the other person. And it makes rowing a lot more difficult. (laughs) Because in order to get where we need to go, we need to be able to see each other. We need to be able to see the needs that each other have. We need to be able to see the state, the emotional state that each other are in. But if we start building walls, look, here's the deal. Walls are fine on the Titanic. Right? I mean, you think about the Titanic. How many walls are on the Titanic? It's almost impossible to count. There are several hundred rooms, dining rooms, you know, parlors, captain's quarters, walls everywhere. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Walls are are on the Titanic. And walls are all over this culture. Like, my favorite button on my keyboard is backspace. We ought to do a sermon here, just called backspace because... I can't tell you how many times in a day I go to type something out on social media and then I'm like, Oh, backspace, 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 backspace. Right? Because because it's like, oh well, all those people are going to be offended if I say that. Those people are going to be offended if I say this. That, but I pretty much need to take a picture of my kids and just post it because that's the only thing that's really safe. You know what I'm saying? Like anything else, if I have a position on anything, it's like it's like people are drawing walls left, right, and center. It's like it's like Colin Kaepernick can't even sit down during Star Spangled Banner without walls going up, and he's a hero or he's disrespectful or. I thought he's just getting ready for the game, right? I mean, there's the bench. Go sit down, Colin. That's what you do. But, you know, it's just like either... I'm not a 49ers fan. I'm sorry. Go Detroit Lions. Kaepernick sucks. Um, He's on the bench. He's literally on the bench because he's not good. I'm telling you. He's not. The defense figured out what he was doing four years ago, and he hasn't been the same since. Anyway, um, but... But, you know, like, like even that kind of stuff, like, you, like, you know, you talk to Republicans, well, I'm not going to vote for Trump. And they say, well, then you're voting for Hillary. Um, uh, no, 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 I didn't say I was. And then you talk to Democrats, I'm not voting for Hillary, then you're voting for Trump. So this is amazing. For the first time in American history, you can sit home and actually vote for both candidates at the same time. Like they're both going to share the White House because you sat home. It's so weird, it's like, it's like you're either forest or again says you're on this side of the wall or you're on that side of the wall. Boom, walls are going up everywhere in our society and you, we wanna know what side you're on and the comfort of having a wall is that you only get to talk to people that think like you and look like you and act like you. And so you build walls and you don't talk to the fast people anymore and the fast eaters. You talk to the slow eaters and the slow people because that's who thinks like you. You don't talk to the Democrats because you're, you've, you've cut them all, all, all off of your Facebook page. Now you only talk to the Republicans because that's what you and thinks like you. And, and you create walls because we want to try to uh, empower ourselves within our environment and not see anything that would possibly offend us. But the walls are built on offense. They are built on offense. And walls don't work in a lifeboat. Walls work on a Titanic. Walls don't work on a lifeboat. You have to have grace for other people. You have to have grace for their position. You have to understand that they're not you, and they don't have to be you, and they're going to vote however they're going to vote, and they're going to be whoever they're going to be, and that's up to them and between them and God and like you're not responsible for them, you don't have to think exactly like them to be in the same boat as them. Lifeboats mean you don't get to choose if you're with first class, second class, third class. I mean, all economic, all skin color, everybody's piled into the same lifeboat. Like the whole class thing, that went away in the lifeboat. That was there on the Titanic. Oh, those walls, the segregation was totally there on the Titanic. But in the lifeboat, that doesn't work. We can't judge based on skin color, based on uh, uh, you know, government, uh, the way that you vote, and the way that you think things should be. We can't judge based on that. We can't build walls based on that. Because the lifeboat's too small, obviously. You can't even hardly sit here <laughs> with this wall. And so I wanna share a story that Jesus told Peter in Matthew 18. Peter confronts Jesus about this whole seven, seven forgiving thing. He says, I don't think, I don't think that should really happen. Peter goes to Jesus, the New Living Translation says, uh, Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Really? Did you mean what you said when you said seven times? I mean, I've been thinking about that. Jesus says, no, not seven times, Peter. Seventy times seven. Therefore, said, so let me tell you a story, Pete. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. This is New Living Translation, millions of dollars. Verse 25 says he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold as a slave along with his wife, his kids, and everything he owned to pay the debt. In other words, everything this guy owned and even his own person and even his own family wasn't enough to pay what he owed. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debts. Verse 28, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars and he grabbed him by the throat, demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, notice, notice, it was the other servants who reported this. When some, tattletales. When some of the other servants saw this, no, 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 it's important that nobody else thought this was weird. The, some of the servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man that he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. Verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you. shh. <laughs> That's what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus is serious about this forgiven thing. And Pete doesn't ask any more questions about it after that. <laughs> and I've actually, I've used this story several times talking to my kids. Because one of the, one of the great um, uh, problems that children have and adults have is forgiveness. And you will act out of unforgiveness. So, Micah, why would you hit your sister? I don't know. Right? <laughs> okay, let's talk about this. Were you mad? Yeah, kind of. Did she do something to you? Well, no, not really. And so you start talking through this. Why did you hit your sister? I, you don't see me hitting your mom just randomly. You know, this isn't behavior that's modeled to you. Wow, where did you get this idea that you should just walk up and, you know, wallop her in the back of the head? Like, where did this come from? This is weird. And as you talk more and more and more, it's usually something that either happened earlier in the day or the day before or the day before that. And you wouldn't think a five-year-old would have that kind of memory, but he does. And he gets very emotional when he's talking about it. And it's like, wow, you haven't forgiven your sister. Or you haven't forgiven your dad. You can hold an offense even, even even like when he gets in trouble for doing something that's wrong. He, then he can hold an offense against me for getting him in trouble for doing something that was wrong. And so sometimes you were truly wrong, was done against you, but sometimes you just perceived that wrong was done against you, and it wasn't wrong. It was actually right. But I've, I've brought this passage up with, with Matt and Micah several times, and I've, and I've talked. My feet are falling asleep. i got to stand up. And I've talked several times. Good job holding that wall up. I've talked several times with them, and I've shared this story. And the wonderful thing about Jesus' stories is that they're so self-evident. Like, I, I, I ask Madden and Micah, I say, okay, <clears throat> why was the king mad at this guy? And they say, well, because he forgave him of all this stuff, and then he didn't, the other guy didn't forgive him any, anything. Like, it just makes sense. But imagine that you come in in the middle of this story. Imagine that you're one of the people walking along the street, and you see this servant grab the throat of this other servant and say, look, you owe me $3,000, and you haven't paid. So I'm going to put you in jail until you pay. Well, everybody else, the shopkeepers, the people walking down the street, they thought this was normal behavior because justice is being served. That's normal, right? You owe somebody money, you pay. That's what you do. And if you don't pay, then you face consequences. Even in our society, that's what happens. And so this story, it's, it almost seems like this guy is, is not a bad guy, this, this guy that's demanding the $3,000. It's not that he's, he's unjust. It sounds actually like he loves justice. Look at him, look at him chasing down that, 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 that scoundrel who owes him $3,000 and wouldn't pay. Step into the middle of the story. The only reason why we think this is unjust is because we saw the beginning of the story. Because there was something that happened in this man's past Something that happened for this man in his past that, that, that informed us how he ought to treat people in his present. That there was something that happened in his past that told us he ought to treat people differently in his present. And this is true of everyone who's entered the lifeboat. If you've entered the lifeboat, there is something that has happened in your past. There is a, a debt that has been forgiven. There is a, 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 a judgment that has been released. There is a forgiveness that you have sensed. There is the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Colossians, I have a passage here from, if you put up the passage from Colossians, it tells us exactly what Jesus um, uh, has, 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 has done for us. In the NLT, it says that he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. There's an event that happened in the past. And this is why it's only the servants that really recognize something is wrong here because the servants knew what had happened in the past. And they said, hold up, you just got, you just, your whole record of wrong just got canceled. You just got forgiven millions of dollars. Something has happened in our past that should adjust the way that we treat people in our present. Now, on the, the Titanic, sure, walls are going up everywhere because nothing's happened in their past that should change the way that they act in their present. But if you are in the lifeboat, if you step into the lifeboat, then you've received an immense amount of forgiveness, an immense amount of mercy, an immense amount, an untold amount. As the old song says that you, you paid a debt, or you owed a debt that you couldn't pay. And so Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe. His mercy and his grace and his forgiveness in that past informs us that our present ought to be different. In fact, I think it's so interesting because we have these we have these bricks. We have this this wall. Where do you think the enemy found these bricks to give to you? Right? You're sitting in a lifeboat. The enemy hands you a brick because somebody said something or didn't say something or they, or whatever. And, 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 and you say, yeah, 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 that was wrong what they did. And you start building up. Where, where did the enemy get the brick to give to you in the first place? <laughs> he picked it up off the garbage heap of what Jesus removed from you. Look, 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 here's, here's the deal. This is, this is what struck me when I, when I read this story this week. The man... Is forgiven millions of dollars right forgiven millions of dollars and then he goes to somebody else and says look I loaned you $3,000 you need to pay up where did he get the money to loan the $3,000 why is the king so angry why is he so ticked that this guy is wanting justice shouldn't he want justice shouldn't he want to be repaid for his money absolutely if it was his money Where did he get the $3,000 to loan? It was the money that the king had loaned him. And when the king took out his ledger and erased the millions of dollars that were owed, it included that $2,000, that $3,000. So, what the servant, why the servant was so evil is because he took the king's register and, 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 and what was erased, he started writing stuff back in there. And he said, no, "No, okay, yeah, that's cool that you forgave me. But the same money that I owed you, I'm now gonna demand from somebody else. The same wall that Jesus tore down for me, I'm now gonna start building for somebody else. And that's what Scripture says, that when Jesus died on the cross, that he tore down the wall, that his flesh was basically the barrier between us and God, and he tore it apart. There was a blockage between you and heaven, between you and your heavenly Father, and the love that you have received and the the goodness that you have been shown only got to you because Jesus came to you and started taking the wall down with his own blood, with his own death. That he died on the cross so that he could remove your your shame. He could remove the wrong things that you said, the wrong things that that you did. He could remove the actual crimes that you committed against other people. Stuff you knew was wrong and you did it anyway because you felt like it. Stuff, times of greed, times of selfishness, times of, 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 of cutting corners, times of stealing from your job, t- times of robbing, of, of robbing the government, cheating on your taxes. And, he, and, he, and all of the stuff that we have done, Jesus came and moved that wall down for us. And whenever we choose to take the bricks, we're really just taking the same brick that Jesus took down. Don't build up something that Jesus already tore down. Don't rebuild something Jesus already tore apart. Because what you do, and what Matthew 18 makes very clear is that that when you build that back up, you not only cut yourself off from others, but you cut yourself off again from God. The wall that Jesus tore down with his blood, you put it back up and you say, no thanks, I think I'm good, I think I got this this is why the king is so angry that he would require payment because it wasn't his money to begin with and it had been forgiven. And God has forgiven us. And what we have to do is we have to tear it down. We have to brick by brick, offense by offense, hurtful memory after hurtful memory. We have to go through that and release it. We have to go through that and pick up the heavy brick and drop it off the side of the lifeboat let it sink let it sink to the bottom of the ocean as far as the bottom of the ocean is from the lifeboat let let the offenses just melt away and allow what jesus paid for to really be paid for to allow what the king said is forgiven to really be forgiven and you'll find freedom in the lifeboat Uh, we have a a lifeboat coming up uh, called bait of Satan it's being led by um, by Lolly and so if Lolly I just wanted Lolly to come and just share a quick testimony about that group thank you babe and um, she's gonna be starting that group next week and they're going through a book called the bait of Satan by John Bevere and it's really about um, getting free from offenses And so it's going to be 12 weeks long, walking through the book, reading through where offenses come from, reading from how how the enemy brings offenses into your life, and even offenses in your past, your childhood, stuff you still hold against your parents, stuff you still hold against your relatives. Yeah, giving Lolly a hand. Okay, come on up.
1: Thank you. Um, This is a book. It's uh, called The Bait of Satan. It's by John Bevere. And I just wanna encourage everybody to come out and, and uh, participate in this uh, teaching. It's a life-changing teaching. It's um, something that takes you back to um, your, your childhood, to, to memories of you know, hearts that we've been you know, wounded along the way. And a lot of times we don't even realize that we're carrying this stuff with us. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's considered an offense and we don't we don't identify it as that but it's real it hurts us it uh, causes us to get into bitterness and as we get into bitterness it affects our health it affects our families it affects relationships it affects churches it just overall is is um, a, a big thing but it's very subtle and a lot of times you don't even realize that you have an offense um, you think it's gone it's not affecting you with this teaching, uh, John Bevere, uh, you, it's all scriptural. Um, he uses scripture to uh, bring the healing mm-hmm. about and to help us to recognize that we have been offended and that we, whether we realize it or not, that Satan is keeping us bound. Mm-hmm. And as, as you identify it, you're able to break loose of that. You're able to forgive whoever offended you. You're able to uh, let go, release it like the... Like the example here with the bricks, you're able to take down those bricks, get rid of them, throw them away, give them to Jesus. Let Jesus fight our battles. Let let God yeah. handle those things for us. It's it's not for us. Jesus already took care of it for us. But now we need to let Him fight the battle for us and heal internally. Uh, you know, not not just uh, uh, it, it it creates not just um, a health. Uh, physical healing, but it creates a mental, emotional, Mm. spiritual, it's just all encompassing and and it just frees you up to receive the blessings that God has for you. It frees you to walk in what God called you to walk in, in that freedom uh, so that God can use you so that you can uh, have good relationships. So that when the enemy tries to come at you and talk to you, you recognize his voice and you recognize that he's trying to get you to get into offense. And like Jesus yeah. says, we will have opportunities to be offended. There, that is just a part of life. Yeah. It's normal. It's how we handle it. And it's what we do with that offense that makes a difference. And if you think that because you hold on to an offense that it's going to keep the other person from getting blessed, that's not so, yeah. the offense hurts us and it's us that we um, are hurting each time that we just hang on to that. And the minute that you release that, and you just give them to God, and you give the situation to God, He's able to come in and bless you. And He does it mightily. And you just like, you just stand there and kind of go, wow, this is amazing. If I had known this way back, I would have been free. But here's our opportunity now to come and, and be free and to, you know, save not just past relationships because it'll even it'll even create um, you know um, uh, it'll create a uh, it's a teaching that will create a healing of past relationships even like family members uh, there's there's testimonies in here where uh, people have gone in and and once they've forgiven it released for that relationship to be healthy and to you know come alive again and there's just so much freedom that you can get from this teaching and uh, one one person and and the person is going to remain anonymous but she gave me permission to to mention the testimony uh, at the end of the uh class last time uh, we prayed Cause for this person
0: because we did this class in january to um April, last yes, time. Yes, we
1: did it yeah. with the Energizers group, so yeah. thanks to God and thanks to Cheryl, because uh, the Lord spoke to Cheryl and had Cheryl um, you know, do uh, do this hmm. in the in her group and so it allowed me to, to be a part of that, to, to teach it so thank you and thanks to God but in that class, at the end of the class um, everybody kept getting touched as we were going along the way and we kept getting healed and the Lord kept speaking to us and it was just it was just um, Relieving us of you know some of that bondage and some of that baggage as we were going along the way, and in the end we had uh, one person that had a radical transformation and and you know got saved from that you know that bondage and and the the minute that that um, offense was released. She got all kinds of blessings—financial blessings, relationship blessings, blessings in the ministry. God opened it, her yeah. ministry up, and it's just like—it's yeah. just like—it's—it's it's awesome. <laughs> so, anyways, thank y'all for uh, giving me the time, and God bless y'all. And I would enjoy having y'all. So.
0: Thanks, Lolly. It is a trap, and it does create bondage, and that's exactly what Jesus said. He said uh, that that man, right after he had after he had treated others uh, without grace, what happened? He said that he was going to be put in prison and tortured. And that's exactly what it does. Offense tortures you. Offense <laughs> is a jailer. It locks your hands and your feet. When you build walls, all you see is walls. And, uh, and it's not just past relationships, it affects present relationships because all you see is walls new people same walls new people same offenses and I just feel like before we close out today I just feel like I want to like like some of you are just needing to release some things <laughs> just let go